Chapter Sixteen of Abraham Lincoln: A History, Volume Ten. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Abraham Lincoln: A History, Volume Ten, by John Hay and John George Nicolay. Chapter Sixteen: The Morning Pageant recounting the fate of these wretched malefactors has led us far afield we will now return to the morning of the fifteenth of april and sketch in brief and wholly inadequate words the honors which the nation paid to its dead the appalling news spread quickly over the country millions of citizens learned at their breakfast tables that the president had been shot and was dying and two hours after his death when a squad of soldiers were escorting his mortal remains to the executive mansion the dreadful fact was known at all the great centres of population this was the first time the telegraph had been called upon to spread over the world tidings of such deep and mournful significance it was therefore the first time the entire people of the united states had been called to deplore the passing away of an idolized leader even before his body was cold in death the news fell with peculiar severity upon the hearts which were glowing with the joy of a great victory for the last four days in every city and hamlet of the land the people were breaking forth into unusual and fantastic expressions of gaiety and content bonfires flamed through the nights the days were uproarious with the firing of guns the streets were hung with flags and wreaths and whatever decorations could be on the instant improvised by a people not especially gifted with the scenic sense and committees were everywhere forming to arrange for elaborate and official functions of joy upon this mirth and expansion the awful intelligence from washington fell with a crushing and stunning effect of an unspeakable calamity in the sudden rigor of this unexpected misfortune the country lost sight of the vast national success of the past week and it thus came to pass that there was never any organized expression of the general exultation or rejoicing in the north over the downfall of the rebellion it was unquestionably best that it should be so and lincoln himself would not have had it otherwise he hated the arrogance of triumph and even in his cruel death he would have been glad to know that his passage to eternity would prevent too loud an exultation over the vanquished as it was the south could take no umbrage at a grief so genuine and so legitimate the people of that section even shared to a certain degree in the lamentations over the bier of one whom in their utmost hearts they knew to have wished them well there was one exception to the general grief too remarkable to be passed over in silence among the extreme radicals in congress mr lincoln's determined clemency and liberality towards the southern people had made an impression so unfavorable that though they were naturally shocked at his murder 
they did not among themselves conceal their gratification that he was no longer in their way in a political caucus held a few hours after the president's death they resolved on an entire change of the cabinet and a line of policy less conciliatory than that of mr lincoln the feeling was nearly universal we are using the language of one of their most prominent representatives that the accession of johnson to the presidency would prove a godsend to the country the next day the committee on the conduct of the war called on the new president and senator wade bluntly expressed to him the feeling of his associates johnson we have faith in you by the gods there will be no trouble now in running the government before many months passed away they had opportunity to learn that violence of speech was no guarantee of political consistency in washington with this singular exception the manifestation of the public grief was immediate and demonstrative the insignia of rejoicing at once disappeared and within an hour after the body of the president was taken to the white house the town was shrouded in black not only the public buildings the stores and shops and the better class of residences were draped in funeral decorations but a still more touching proof of the affection with which the dead man was regarded was seen in the poorest class of houses where the laboring men of both colors found means in their penury to afford some scanty show of mourning the interest and the veneration of the people still centered in the white house where under a tall catafalque in the east room the late chief of state lay in the majesty of death and not at the modest tavern on pennsylvania avenue where the new president had his lodging at eleven o'clock chief justice chase administered the oath of office to andrew johnson in the presence of a few witnesses he immediately summoned the cabinet for a brief meeting william hunter was appointed acting secretary of state during the interim of the disability of mr seward and his son and directed to communicate to the country and the world the change in the head of the government brought about by the last night's crime it was determined that the funeral ceremonies in washington should be celebrated on wednesday the nineteenth of april and all the churches throughout the country were invited to join at the same time in solemnizing the occasion by appropriate observances all of the pomp and circumstance which the government could command was employed to give a fitting escort from the white house to the capitol where the body of the president was to lie in state a splendidly appointed force of cavalry artillery and infantry formed the greater part of the procession which was completed by delegations from illinois and kentucky as mourners the new president the cabinet the ministers of foreign powers and all the high officers of the nation legislative judicial and executive the pallbearers comprised the leading members of both houses of congress and the officers of the highest rank in the army and navy the ceremonies in the east room were brief and simple the reverend dr hall of the church of the epiphany read the burial service bishop simpson of the methodist church distinguished equally for his eloquence and his patriotism offered a prayer and the rev dr p d gurley at whose church the president and his family habitually attended worship delivered a short address 
commemorating in language notably free from courtly flattery the qualities of courage purity and sublime faith which had made the dead men great and useful the coffin was carried to the funeral car and the vast procession moved to the capitol amid the tolling of all the bells in washington georgetown and alexandria and the booming of minute guns at lafayette square at the city hall and on capitol hill to associate the pomp of the day with the greatest work of lincoln's life a detachment of colored troops marched at the head of the line in the rotunda under the soaring dome of the capitol the coffin rested during the day and night of the nineteenth and until the evening of the next day the people passed by in thousands to gaze on the face of the liberator which had taken on in death an expression of profound happiness and repose like that so often seen on the features of soldiers shot dead in battle it had been decided from the first that lincoln was to be buried at springfield whenever a president dies whose personality more than his office has endeared him to the people it is proposed that his body shall rest at washington but the better instinct of the country no less than the natural feelings of the family insist that his dust shall lie among his own neighbors and kin it is fitting that washington shall sleep at mount vernon the adamses at quincy that even harrison and taylor and garfield though they died in office should be conveyed to the bosom of the states which had cherished them and sent them to the service of the nation so illinois claimed her greatest citizen for final sepulture amid the scenes which witnessed the growth and development of his unique character the town of springfield set apart a lovely spot in its northern suburb for his grave and appropriated twenty thousand dollars a large sum considering the size and wealth of the town to defray the expenses of his funeral as soon as it was announced that he was to be buried in illinois every town and city on the route begged that the train might halt within its limits and give its people the opportunity of testifying their grief and their reverence it was finally arranged that the funeral cortege should follow substantially the same route over which lincoln had come in eighteen sixty one to take possession of the office to which he had given a new dignity and value for all time governor john brough of ohio and john w garrett of baltimore were placed in general charge of the solemn journey a guard of honor consisting of a dozen officers of high rank in the army and navy was detailed by their respective departments which received the remains of the president at the station in washington at eight o'clock on the morning of friday the twenty first of april and the train decked in sombre trappings moved out towards baltimore in this city through which four years before it was a question whether the president-elect could pass with safety to his life the train made a halt the coffin was taken with sacred care to the great dome of the exchange and there surrounded by evergreens and lilies it lay for several hours the people passing by in mournful throngs night was closing in with rain and wind when the train reached harrisburg and the coffin was carried through the muddy streets to the state capitol where the next morning the same scenes of grief and affection were seen 
we need not enumerate the many stopping-places of this dolorous pageant the same demonstration was repeated gaining continually an intensity of feeling and solemn splendor of display in every city through which the procession passed at philadelphia a vast concourse accompanied the dead president to independence hall he had shown himself worthy of the lofty fate he courted when on that hallowed spot on the birthday of washington eighteen sixty one he had said he would rather be assassinated than give up the principles embodied in the declaration of independence here as at many other places the most touching manifestations of loving remembrance came from the poor who brought flowers twined by themselves to lay upon the coffin the reception at new york was worthy alike of the great city and of the memory of the man they honored the body lay in state in the city hall and a half a million people passed in deep silence before it here general scott came pale and feeble but resolute to pay his tribute of respect to his departed friend and commander the train went up the hudson river by night and at every town and village on the way vast crowds were revealed in waiting by the fitful glare of torches dirges and hymns were sung as the train moved by midnight had passed when the coffin was borne to the capital at albany yet the multitude rushed in as if it were day and for twelve hours the long line of people from northern new york and the neighboring states poured through the room over the broad spaces of new york the cortege made its way through one continuous crowd of mourners at syracuse thirty thousand people came out in a storm at midnight to greet the passing train with fires and bells and cannons at rochester the same solemn observances made the night memorable at buffalo it was now the morning of the twenty seventh the body lay in state at st james hall visited by a multitude from the western counties as the train passed into ohio the crowds increased in density and the public grief seemed intensified at every step westward the people of the great central basin seemed to be claiming their own the day spent at cleveland was unexampled in the depth of emotion it brought to life the warm devotion to the memory of the great man gone which was exhibited some of the guard of honor have said that it was at that point they began to appreciate the place which lincoln was to hold in history the authorities seeing that no building would accommodate the crowd which was sure to come from all over the state wisely erected in the public square an imposing mortuary tabernacle for the lying in state brilliant with evergreens and flowers by day and innumerable gas jets by night and surmounted by the inscription extinctus amabitur idem impressive religious ceremonies were conducted in the square by bishop McIlvaine, and an immense procession moved to the station at night between two lines of torchlights columbus and indianapolis the state capitals of ohio and indiana were next visited the whole state in each case seemed gathered to meet their dead hero an intense personal regard was everywhere evident 
it was the man not the ruler they appeared to be celebrating the banners and scrolls bore principally his own words with malice towards none with charity for all the purposes of the lord are perfect and must prevail here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain and other brief passages from his writings on arriving in chicago on the first of may amid a scene of magnificent mourning the body was borne to the courthouse where it lay for two days under a canopy of sombre richness inscribed with that noble hebrew lament the beauty of israel is slain upon thy high places from all the states of the northwest an innumerable throng poured for those two days into chicago and flowed a mighty stream of humanity past the coffin of the dead president in the midst of evidences of deep and universal grief which was all the more genuine for being quiet and reserved the last stage of this extraordinary progress was the journey to springfield which began on the night of the second of may and ended at nine o'clock the next morning the schedule made in washington twelve days before having been accurately carried out on all the railroads centering in springfield the trains for several days had been crowded to their utmost capacity with people who desired to see the last of abraham lincoln upon earth nothing had been done or thought of for two weeks in springfield but the preparations for this day they were made with a thoroughness which surprised the visitors from the east the body lay in state in the capitol which was richly draped from roof to basement in black velvet and silver fringe within it was a bower of bloom and fragrance for twenty-four hours an unbroken stream of people passed through bidding their friend and neighbor welcome home and farewell and at ten o'clock on the fourth of may the coffin lid was closed at last and a vast procession moved out to oak ridge where the dead president was committed to the soil of the state which had so loved and honored him the ceremonies at the grave were simple and touching bishop simpson delivered a pathetic oration prayers were offered and hymns were sung but the weightiest and most eloquent words uttered anywhere that day were those of the second inaugural which the committee had wisely ordained to be read over his grave as the friends of raphael chose the incomparable canvas of the transfiguration as the chief ornament of his funeral an association was immediately formed to build a monument over the grave of lincoln the work was in the hands of his best and oldest friends in illinois and was pushed with vigor few large subscriptions were received with the exception of fifty thousand dollars voted by the state of illinois and ten thousand dollars by new york but innumerable small contributions afforded all that was needed the soldiers and sailors of the nation gave twenty eight thousand dollars of which the disproportionately large amount of eight thousand dollars was the gift of the negro troops whose manhood lincoln had recognized 
by putting arms in their hands in all a hundred and eighty thousand dollars was raised and the monument built after a design by larkin g meade was dedicated on the fifteenth of october eighteen seventy four the day was fine the concourse of people was enormous there were music and eloquence and a brilliant decorative display the orator of the day was general richard j oglesby who praised his friend with warm but sober eulogy general sherman added his honest and hearty tribute and general grant twice elected president uttered these carefully chosen words which had all the weight that belongs to the rare discourses of that candid and reticent soldier from march eighteen sixty four to the day when the hand of the assassin opened a grave for mr lincoln then president of the united states my personal relations with him were as close and intimate as the nature of our respective duties would permit to know him personally was to love and respect him for his great qualities of heart and head and for his patience and patriotism with all his disappointments from failures on the part of those to whom he had entrusted commands and treachery on the part of those who had gained his confidence but to betray it i never heard him utter a complaint nor cast a censure for bad conduct or bad faith it was his nature to find excuses for his adversaries in his death the nation lost its greatest hero in his death the south lost its most just friend End of chapter 16 Recording by John Brandon